Hey everybody, welcome to the Crohn's Fitness Food Podcast, dedicated to raising awareness, sharing IBD stories, and offering support for those with Crohn's and colitis. Together, we can share knowledge, experiences, and help show the world the many faces of IBD. Well, hi everyone. Thank you for joining me today for another episode of the Crohn's Fitness Food Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Gish, Crohn's warrior since 2006 and lifelong fitness fanatic. My guest today is actually a return guest. Her name is Carrie Combs, and she was on here about a month ago sharing her Crohn's journey and her inspiration to begin running marathons. She just completed the Nashville Rock and Roll Half Marathon at the end of April as a member of the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation's Team Challenge, and she is back today to talk more in-depth about the emotional side of Crohn's, which is something we don't talk enough about and something we didn't get a chance to touch on last time. So she'll be talking about everything from eating habits to coping mechanisms, and she's also going to share her gear and supplement checklist for long-distance running. So thank you so much for joining me today, Carrie, and welcome back to the show. Yes, thanks for having me back. I'm excited. I am too. So so why don't we go ahead, before we start talking about all of the other things we want to get in today, um, why don't you do a quick little recap of just your Crohn's journey so that our guests, our audience can remember a little bit about your timeline and then just kind of fast forward to where you're at today. Sure. So high-level overview. Um, I was diagnosed with Crohn's in 2011. And um, let's see, I was like 22 um, at that point. Um, I did not know about IBD, um, Crohn's, or colitis um, at that point in my life. So this was all very new to me. And um, my Crohn's was rather aggressive. Um, I have over the years had three surgeries um, to try and get my Crohn's in remission and to get rid of um, some abscesses that had formed. Um, so I'm missing some of my small intestine and colon, um, my gallbladder, and my appendix. Um, but I have now been, uh, my last surgery was kind of a turning point, and I've now been um, in remission for about two years. Um, and, uh, really using, you know, food, fitness, um, and medication to really keep myself under control. It's a good combination and definitely glad to hear that you're in remission and staying in remission. So, so you were diagnosed, I think it's been about eight years ago and you grew mm -hmm. up, I think like many of us in the processed food, kind of the fat is bad era of the 80s and 90s that I think a lot of us that grew up in that, yes. we remember very well. Um, and you also mentioned to me that you grew up to be a people pleaser. So tell me about some of these early habits that you developed as a child and how they later impacted and played into your Crohn's journey. Because you've mentioned that a lot of these different habits and things that you develop really actually set you up for failure in dealing with your Crohn's disease. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, kind of as you mentioned, um, and I think, you know, a lot of us <laughs> that were around in the, the 80s and 90s remember um, when, you know, basically the extent of our 
nutrition um, education was the food pyramid. So basically, for anyone who's maybe young enough listening mm-hmm. to this that doesn't remember that, um, the pyramid basically had a ton of processed carbs at the bottom. And I think you were supposed to get 12 servings of that per day. It was a lot. Um, it was a pretty <laughs> substantial amount. Yeah. And then um, it did have, you know, your meat and dairy. Um, and at the very top, it had a, a like oils and, and fats and sugars was, you know, supposed to be the smallest part. Um, and it was all kind of, you know, like candy, anything with fat was all just kind of lumped in, you know, up at the top. Um, so I, re- I never remember getting any type of, you know, it was basically like, here's that picture, that visual. Um, but there was no, you know, real in-depth what makes up each of those groups, what, you know, what are these benefits that I'm getting from eating these items? Um, so I never really thought much about nutrition. Um, I pretty much just ate what tasted good, Mm -hmm. um, which I think, you know, a lot of, a lot of people do. Um, and especially to, you know, it was the processed foods and the like, you know, quick stuff that you can grab that's already packaged was becoming and fast food in general was kind of really exploding at that point in time. Um, Cause I think, you know, a lot of like my, both of my parents worked um, that was starting to, you know, become the norm. People didn't have time for, you know, the traditional eating your three square meals a day kind of, um, thing. So you were just kind of, you know, eating when you were hungry and just, you know, whatever sounded good. Even when you, even when you weren't hungry, because I think, I mean, I remember Mm -hmm. most of my breakfast were, if you remember the toaster strudels. (laughs) Oh, yes. Uh, Talk about healthy there. It was, you know, nice. Toaster strudel. They never gave you enough icing in the packet, right? <laughs> I know. We would always, I would take extra icing and then you'd end up with a strudel without icing. So that, right, that, that right. was my breakfast. So Yes, exactly. So it was, um, it was that kind of a thing. And it was a lot of, um, you know, I had, a, I have two um, sisters. So, you know, my parents were also pulled of, you know, trying to get this kid to this practice and, you know, doing all that kind of thing. So we did, you know, we did eat a lot of fast food. Um, Wendy's was mm-hmm. like down around the, the corner from our school. So I remember like pretty much before volleyball practice, we would, we would walk down to Wendy's and get like a junior bacon cheeseburger and chicken nuggets and then come back for practice. And the chocolate um, shake, that was always mine. <laughs> right, right. The frosty. The oh, frosty. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so for me, I think, you know, food was, I just, you know, and, you know, anyone in my family, we just didn't know enough about it um, to, to make smart choices. And we trusted the, you mentioned the, the food guide pyramid, we kind of just trusted that that was correct, that a lot of us just didn't even question why not eat 12 servings of grains and, and base our diet around Right. That. So yeah, we just, we didn't question it. We didn't know better. And so yeah, go ahead and keep going. Yeah. So, um, so I think, you know, as, um, as I got older, um, 
when I was probably in middle school or so, I definitely, I've always had like a problem with my weight, um, was a, a huge issue for me. And, you know, obviously in hindsight, um, I, I know where some of that came from, but, um, it was always kind of a struggle because back also, you know, in, if you look at any of like the, um, famous people or pop stars from the nineties, the ideal woman was like really thin, not necessarily Mm -hmm. like, you know, not muscular, not, um, you know, any type of an athletic build, just a very like thigh gap, you know, thin Mm -hmm. legs, that kind of a thing. Um, so that was very much what was, you know, in my mind, that was what was supposed to be normal and what I was supposed to look like. And, um, so, you know, I'm thinking, okay, this is the, this is the the goal I need to achieve is this image. Um, but I definitely was not, I was very ill-equipped to even come anywhere near that image because I didn't know all the parts and pieces, um, that went into health in your body. And also that, you know, ultimately that not everyone looks the same. (laughs) So it's okay that you don't, you know, look like those people, but, um, that was definitely not really the, the trend back then, you know, the Victoria's Secret models were a big thing. It was, it was very much, you know, women were supposed to be skinny. Mm-hmm. Like Kate Moss, I think she was one of the supermodels at the time. Yes. Very, very thin. Yes. And um, so that was always emotionally kind of, you know, difficult for me because I was, um, you know, much heavier than everyone in my class. I didn't, um, limited to was a, um, like, tr- clothing for for kids that was like you know super cool or trendy mm-hmm. at the time um and like i didn't they didn't have plus sizes and things like that so i didn't i didn't fit in those clothes and so you feel kind of excluded from the group you know when you can't um you know fit into that mold and so always kind of felt like an outsider which then i ultimately you know, was kind of depressed about it. So then I would eat, you know, I don't know, chocolate or, Mm -hmm. you know, something of that nature that made me feel better for a little bit. Um, But then was obviously full circle, not helping my situation. Um, It was really just making it worse. Mm -hmm. You didn't have any Crohn's or digestive issues when you were growing up, did you? They all those came on later. Did you have any mild kind of digestive issues when you were younger? I had some, um, I did have some mild, um, that, you know, in hindsight, I I would say probably was Crohn's. Um, but it was, you know, it was very, very manageable. Um, you know, not enough for me to, to really think, oh, this is not normal or, you know, talk Mm -hmm. to anyone about it. And food really became kind of a an escape for you. I mean, it's something you would turn to, but then also as a reward. Is that correct? Yeah. So the other thing, too, was that, um, you know, food became something that kind of kind of our lives centered around, um, but not in a fueling your body kind of way, in a 
satisfaction kind of way. Um, so, you know, if, if you got good grades and we were going out, you know, to eat and if, if it's your birthday, we're going out to eat. And like, that was how we, you know, enjoyed and celebrated, um, was by going out to eat. And so, of course, you know, when you go out to eat, it's like, oh, let's get an appetizer. Let's, you know, get a, a main meal. And then, oh, they've got dessert too. So, um, you know, it kind of became just common, um, and normal to eat whatever and, you know, no restriction on quantity really either. Um, you know, I just, just kind of ate to, to make myself happy. Um, so, you know, I definitely use that as a coping mechanism. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, the other piece too was, um, showing emotions and, um, you know, I think nowadays it's, it's a lot more commonplace for people to, um, you know, it's okay to feel how you're feeling and, um, being real and, and open and honest, um, is a lot more accepted. Um, but I think I was a pretty, <laughs> and I, I still am, but I was a pretty mm-hmm. outspoken, um, person. And that was, I also feel like, you know, growing up, that was kind of people were like very caught off guard by that. Um, and I, I think it, you know, kind of bothers some people like, why, you know, why does she have an opinion and why, like, why is she, mm-hmm. um, you know, talking and whatnot about, um, how she feels or how, you know, and it was kind of a keep it to yourself mentality. Um, and I, I think it's interesting. I, I wonder a lot too, if it's, you know, if that's more where I grew up or if that's something that's fairly common. So I don't know if you have any, um, you know, similar experience of, of those kind of, you know, outside influences of the, you know, the being skinny and the, um, mm-hmm. more timid kind of female role, I guess. Most, yeah, most definitely. I mean, I'm right there with you, you know, growing up in the eighties, nineties, it's how skinny can you be and eat your rice cake and, and you'll lose weight. And it's that simple, you know, but it never worked. And then just kind of being female, it's like, don't, you know, you didn't want to show all your emotions. And so it's kind of, you know, even, you know, my family, it's like, you know, just don't, you know, suck it up and (laughs) drive on kind of a thing. And, and, and then I was in the army. So it's kind of like, you got to be strong. You don't want to be the weak female that's the weak link. And so you're forced to kind of hold it together and be strong and, and not, um, you know, and just try to pretend like nothing is going on really. And so all these different things that I think we bottle up inside, which is bad for our gut health. (laughs) Right. uh, We probably destroyed our microbiomes with the stress alone. (laughs) Right, right, early on. The toaster strudels and everything else that was coming in. So tell me a little bit more about the, your journey with food, because you really, you really didn't start learning about nutrition and diet until after you got Crohn's, correct? Because it was, when Crohn's came around, I think you mentioned um, that 
food, you know, what used to be a reward and what used to be a happy spot in your life was now all of a sudden causing pain and just shifted everything. So talk to me a little bit more about that and kind of how that played into your your diagnosis. Yeah. So, you know, kind of like we were just talking about here with the, you know, obviously uh, food was definitely a big part of my life. Um, and I, you know, with no restrictions, um, when I did get diagnosed with Crohn's, um, I think I mentioned in the, the previous podcast, um, about how, you know, it was actually my gallbladder had gone bad. Um, and I had assumed that all of my symptoms, um, were related to that. And I went about 45 days where I was literally eating just white rice was the only thing, um, that I could eat. And it was very like depressing (laughs) that all I could eat was white Mm -hmm. rice. But then from, you know, the last 20 some years of my life, I had learned, okay, I'm not feeling well. So now I'm going to eat. And it was like, oh, wait, but I can't do that. So there wasn't anywhere to turn. It was very confusing. Um, so I had, you know, gone without food, which is a stress in itself enough, um, you know, just on your body. And then the emotional toll that that took, um, was very difficult because I had, I had never gone, you know, I'd never gone hungry before. Um, I had never not been able to enjoy whatever I wanted. You know, I, I ate whatever I wanted and now I couldn't. Um, so I just really didn't know where to turn. So when I was waiting for, um, an official diagnosis, um, because since I had had surgery, I did have to wait for my colonoscopy. Um, so I was just kind of, you know, given some pain medication. I remember laying in the hospital bed and the nurse had come in and I said, I, I just kind of broke down and I said, I don't know what, like, I can't go. They wanted to send me home. And I said, I can't go home. I don't know how to take care of myself. And, Mm -hmm. um, he told me, well, look up a low residue diet. I'm like, okay, like what, you know, what is that? Um, so I think that was kind of the initial start for me was, okay, this is so broken (laughs) and I, Mm -hmm. I've got to fix it somehow. Um, but I, you know, I just didn't really have the resources. So it was, you know, starting to find those resources. Um, so I want to jump in real quick and mm -hmm. just point out what an important thing that you had said just a, a minute ago is just how you didn't know where to go and just saying that you didn't want to go home. You didn't know how to take care of yourself. And I think that's really important for people who are maybe newly diagnosed or even family members of really trying to understand how loss that someone who's newly diagnosed might be feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, Just when, as you were in that situation where it's like, I can't eat anything. I don't know what to do. How do I take care of myself? And it's just kind of this feeling of, because I remember feeling the same way too, of it's like, well, 
what what am I supposed to do? Like, where do I go from here? So I think it's important for for people who are newly diagnosed to know that you're not alone if you feel like that. But maybe if it's a family member, like we need support. <laughs> right. Right. I think that's a key thing. You know what? And I think that's that's definitely, um, you know, you talk about the the caregivers. Um, when I was diagnosed, um, my husband and I had only been we were high school sweethearts, so we'd known each other for quite a while. But um, we had only been married for a year. And another kind of piece of that puzzle was, you know, here we are you know, fairly young, um, trying to figure out this chronic illness. And, um, I, I felt a lot of guilt of, um, initially too, of like, almost like I had kind of trapped him into this, um, because, mm. you know, he, it's not like he knew I had Crohn's, you know, going into our marriage. Um, so it's a, you know, that's a lot for someone to take on. And I always kind of felt this, like I was a burden. Um, and that was a, a huge piece for me, you know, with caregivers, whether it be my husband or my parents or, you know, siblings or friends. Um, you know, I always just thought like, oh, well, I kind of that people pleaser piece of, well, it has to be fair. Like if, if they're going to help me do this, then I, you know, I need to be able to pay them back somehow, or I need to be able to, you know, make it just and balanced. And, um, you know, ultimately that's very conditional. Um, and that's why, Mm -hmm. you know, some, a lot of people I'm sure that are listening to this, they probably have lost relationships with people, um, you know, throughout their journey because, it kind of really, you know, something like this shakes out those people who are your fair weather friends versus someone who unconditionally, you know, loves and supports you. Mm-hmm. What helped you? I might be jumping ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you had a lot of topics, but what kind of helped you to overcome that feeling of being a burden to someone? What what helped you get through that process to to reach a point where it's like, you know what, I'm not a burden. This is someone who loves me, wants to be here for me. And did you learn to start asking for help as well? Yeah. So I will tell you that was, a, it's a long road. Um, it, it was mm-hmm. not, um, it was not something that came easily to me. Um, and honestly, I, I really feel that I just have finally kind of gotten a grip on it in the last year or two, um, to be completely honest. Um, mm-hmm. You know, one, something that I kind of, you know, got into, um, so after my, my last surgery was, was two years ago. Um, and that was a pretty big surgery for me. I didn't, I was very sick going into it, um, and had some, you know, issues and some heart issues and stuff coming out of it. Um, so it was kind of scary. It was a little, you know, touch and go. Um, and I think it finally made me realize that, um, you know, I really needed to kind of get a a grip on everything. So it kind of, it led me to, um, put myself first. So, um, Mm -hmm. 
being that people pleaser, I had always been the person, like, I, I enjoyed doing things for other people. Um, and so that's, that's kind of how I'd always been. So it was very odd for me to ask for help because I was the person that took care of others. And, um, not, not very long after my surgery, I was, um, I had a really long recovery time with that surgery. Um, cause I was from having the NG tube for a very long time. Um, I was having trouble keeping food down. Like it just, you know, I, mm. even with anti-nausea medication, I just really, I, I mean, I was consistently throwing up every day. And, um, one day I had gotten on Facebook and someone had posted this picture of a, um, like a teacup and it said, mm -hmm. um, that you basically that you can't pour from an empty cup. And I, that was just like this huge pivotal moment for me. So, I mean, completely mm -hmm. random. Um, but I was like, wow, like, that's so true. And that's what I've been trying to do the last couple years is give and give and, you know, work and, you know, maintain myself, but, you know, take care of my family, take care of my daughter, mm -hmm. you know, be, be the best at this, this, and this. And I had nothing left of me to give, but I was still handing it out somehow. And that's, yeah. it caught up to me. Um, maybe it's a Crohn's thing because I'm very much like that as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe us cronies tend to take that on and internalize these things. But I'm, I'm very much the same way of just, if people ask for my help, it's like, how can I give it? And mm -hmm. how can I run myself ragged to, to do these things for other people and volunteer and, and do these extra things? And then at the end of the day, my cup is empty. So just like the situation you are in, all of a sudden you find yourself and your cup is empty. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, and I'm, I'm sure you do this as well. I still, you know, to this day, I've gotten better about, you know, managing what I'm doing and trying to reduce stress. But like, I, I can't be doing nothing. Like, I, th I think I would go mm -hmm. insane um, <laughs> of just like, you know, people are like, oh, you should, you know, take a break from this and that. And then like, uh, but I would have more anxiety that I'm not doing, you know, just sitting here not doing it. So um, it's, you know, trying to find that balance within yourself um, to not push yourself too much, but, you know, still try and do the things that you enjoy. But, you know, definitely that when I saw that, I was like, okay, like I need to, I need to focus on me. So I, um, at that point, that's when I got into, you know, just kind of walking and then, you know, eventually running on the treadmill, found team challenge. And then that was kind of another eye opening piece for me because when I went to Chicago, that was the first time I met other people with IBD. Um, and it was like, you have this instant bond, right? With people who mm -hmm. have IBD. Cause you're like, I know exactly what your worst day is like, 
you know, I know probably mm-hmm. more about you than even your closest people because I've, I've lived that. And I know the mm-hmm. stuff that you probably haven't even told people because you're embarrassed about it or, you know, it's, you have this kind of instant bond of, um, you know, going through the trenches kind of with everyone. And, um, mm-hmm. so it was, you know, I, I met people who had ostomies. I met people who, um, were children that had IBD. I met, you know, caregivers who, um, just, you know, it amazed me how much they, you know, they did for their husband or child that was, um, sick and, you know, all basically is how much they gave of themselves to help them. And, um, just seeing all that was, I mean, kind of overwhelming, but in a good way. Um, mm-hmm. you know, just knowing that I'm, I'm not weird. I'm not, you know, this abnormal person. There's other people like me. Your self-esteem really grew through this whole process too, didn't it? Yes, absolutely. Um, because, you know, like I said, my, my self-esteem, I used to, I mean, I'd always kind of pretend like my weight didn't bother me or being excluded from this or that didn't bother me. But normally the person who pretends they're not bothered by that kind of stuff <laughs> is the person who is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I definitely, you know, self-esteem, um, was pretty low, um, through most of my teenage and, you know, early adolescent years. And, um, so, you know, also having this chronic illness that's not, not real cool to talk about, you know, talking about your poop yeah. or, you know, um, exactly. you know, just random thing. I remember, you know, in college, um, in hindsight before being diagnosed, like I had on my way to a class, I had an accident and I like didn't really know why. And it seemed weird. And I just kind of, you know, tried to, I just clean myself up and went mm-hmm. on with life and pretended like it never happened. Right. Because that's, that's weird and embarrassing and I'm not going to tell anybody. And, um, you know, you just kind of think like, man, what if I'm a hot mess? Like what is wrong with me? So, um, it definitely, you know, for me, it was, it was very low. I did not have much confidence. Um, and then also too, you, you know, a lot of us know when you take steroids and stuff for, your medication. I mean, I just like, I couldn't eat enough carbs and sugar. I feel like when I was on prednisone mm-hmm. and you just, I mean, balloon out and get like the moon face and all the real fun side effects, um, of that kind of stuff. And so you just, I just kind of, I'd look in the mirror and it was like, I don't even know who this person is. Um, that's looking back at me, but, um, you know, like I said, that, that moment after surgery was just this turning point and it's, it's led me to many more steps that have just added to building my confidence. Um, so, you know, I did the team challenge, met people and I was like, okay, you know, there's other people like me. Um, 
I'm, I'm running. So I, you know, I did start to lose some weight. Um, you know, I was, it was helpful for stress and everything. I was, you know, feeling a lot better about that. Um, and just, you know, it kind of, kind of bleeds into other aspects of your life too, like work, um, being a mom, everything. You just, once you start to get a little more confidence, you kind of, I don't know, I feel like I felt more organized in certain areas and whatnot. Um, and it just kind of kept me wanting more, um, which actually mm-hmm. led me to, um, after I had done the Chicago trip, I was like, I'm like, I'm enjoying this running, but I feel like I need something else, like another challenge. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, you know, it's one of those things you just kind of like, oh, check, like, ah, I did really awesome with this. Now I'm going to do something else. So, you know, I just kind of kept moving on and, um, so I had, I was intrigued by CrossFit and I was like, you know, researching mm-hmm. by myself online, like trying to figure this out. And it's so fun. I like, I had a, like a friend, um, that did it and stuff. And I, I mean, I had like resources that I could have reached out to, but I think I was kind of like apprehensive of like, oh, it's like, is this, you know, something for me mm-hmm. and, would I fit in here? And I think, you know, I was a little like nervous about it, but I, I was also very intrigued at the same time. So were you still afraid to reach out to people at that point and ask for help and opinions? Yes, absolutely. Google was my best friend for a long time (laughs) (laughs) because, you know, there was no judgment there. Right. Um, yeah. So I definitely, um, I actually, someone had, wrote up this, um, really great kind of research opinion, um, about CrossFit. And it was just a, it was actually a very unbiased opinion of kind of like what to expect, what you should look for when you're looking for a gym and that kind of thing. So I had, I had read through this and I was like, okay. Um, I, I knew some people that went to a local CrossFit gym, CrossFit torsion. And, um, I'd looked at their website and it, you know, it met all the checks of this thing I had looked up. Um, so I'm like, all right, I'm gonna, they had a, what they call either like a fundamentals or an on-ramp, um, program where basically it's a more kind of one-on-one focused where they kind of teach you all the movements, um, as opposed to Mm -hmm. just like dumping you into a class. So, um, I had never lifted weights before or done, I played volleyball in high school, um, and did cheerleading. So I guess I lifted people, but other than Mm -hmm. that, um, you know, I had never picked up a barbell or anything like that. So I go to this class and, um, Kim, who was the coach of fundamentals, um, she definitely played a huge part in, um, helping me with kind of rebuild my self-esteem, which, you know, I didn't know going into this that that would be the case. But, um, you know, I remember pulling up and I saw all these, like, they had, it was kind of, I had gifted this to myself for um, my 29th birthday. <laughs> this was, I was, I was mm-hmm. going to fundamentals. That was going to be like my gift to myself. And um, I pulled up 
and I had, I had talked to one of the owners ahead of time and, you know, she was like, oh, you can come to a, to a class, try it out, you know, whatever. And I remember pulling up and, um, one of the classes was finishing up when I got there and they were doing like a partner workout. So they were in like groups of two doing this workout and it was a real nice day. They had like garage doors up, rowers pulled out, music was like cranked, like half, pretty much everyone had their shirts off and stuff. And I'm like sitting in my mm-hmm. car and I'm like, what, what am I doing here? Like, <laughs> um, and so I Turn literally, around, go home. <laughs> right. I literally just sat, sat there for a little bit. And I was like, okay, Carrie, get out of the car. Like, just get out mm-hmm. of the car. And I finally got out of the car. Um, and it's so funny because now, like, I think of all the people that were there that day and, like, why I was ever intimidated by them. It, it seems kind of ridiculous now. Um, but mm-hmm. going to those classes, you know, like, it was, they taught me you know, all this new stuff. And I'm like, oh man, there's like, there's so much going on. There's, you know, all these different lifts. And, um, I also learned that I thought I could jump rope, but I was not doing that correctly either. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, relearning all of these things, um, you know, pull-ups. I was like, oh, I could, I could never do a pull-up and all this stuff that I thought, like, I could never do that. Um, you know, they kind of, they were showing me how to, to do this stuff. And as each, each class, there was, I always felt like I hit this next point of, wow, I didn't think I could do that. And I just did it. And Mm -hmm. it kept, you know, it kept building and building and building. And then, um, so this was like August I had started. And then in November, um, that was about the one year anniversary from my surgery. And, um, I remember doing this workout and it had a lot of like overhead movements. So, um, there were like pull-ups, but there was also, um, you know, so for anyone who doesn't, has not lifted weights, um, a clean and jerk is basically, Mm -hmm. um, you're taking the barbell from the ground bringing it pretty much up to chest level and then you're pushing it overhead. So that very, Mm -hmm. very overview of that. Um, so it had, you know, quite a bit of those in that. And, um, I was able to do 55 pounds, um, on the barbell. Mm -hmm. And I, at the end of the workout, I started to get really emo, I I started to cry because I remembered that a year ago I wasn't able to brush my hair. Like I couldn't hold my Mm -hmm. hands up over my head to brush my hair. And I just put 55 pounds over my head multiple times. Like never did I think I would be at this place a year after Mm -hmm. my surgery. How much did your cup fill up? Uh, after that, when you realized what you were capable of. Quite a bit. Um, and the other piece too was, you know, when I, when I went there, um, the first time, you know, I saw all these really like strong women who were, you know, 
had thick thighs, had, you know, were muscular built and they, they looked Mm -hmm. awesome. And I wanted to be like that. And I was like, where have these people been all my life? Right. (laughs) Like this, this is, you know, kind of, um, the, the piece I've been, I felt like I had been missing and, um, you know, the, the awesome thing that I always loved about CrossFit was it was very community based. People cared about your goals. People cared about your struggles. Um, you know, people would check on me if I, if I miss class for a week, people would be like, mm-hmm. Hey, you haven't been here. Is, and most of the time they'd be like, are, are you having trouble with your Crohn's? Are you okay? Um, let us know if you need anything. And it was like, oh, wow, like, you know, there's there's other people who, you know, want me to succeed. And then in turn, like, you know, I want them to succeed. And, um, you know, Mm -hmm. seeing everyone's successes is just like, you know, you get on this kind of emotional high um, a lot of times. But it was definitely um, so, like I said, you know, Kim had been this this coach that I had. And um, the other thing that she really impressed upon me was that, you know, people really care that you're a good person, not about how you look in your clothes or, um, you know, the superficial stuff. People aren't going to remember what you deadlifted or what, you know, what size of clothes you wore, but they'll remember that time that you were nice to them or that you held the door for them or, you know, those kind of things. And, Um, so it was really trying to like shift my focus away from, I have to hit this weight number on a scale or I have to, you know, look a certain way to, you know, more of performance based goals. Um, that was a huge Mm -hmm. kind of shift in my thinking that, I mean, it definitely took me a solid year and a half to, you know, and I feel like it's, it's still a constant thing. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, my goal is to finish a half marathon. My goal is to finish, you know, now a full marathon, having those goals when, when you're working towards those goals, some of those other things end up being side effects, like losing weight or, you know, looking the way you want or those kind of things just kind of fall in place. Um, mm-hmm. and it's a lot less stressful um, when you're trying to, when you have this exciting goal that you're going towards and, you know, you're chipping at each day. Yeah. Whereas, I, you know, I remember when it was like, oh, I need to be whatever, 125 pounds or 130 pounds. You'd literally just like mm-hmm. get on the scale every day and then, you know, it, it'd go up or down a pound and you just felt like I'm going nowhere and I don't know what, you know, to do with myself. Um, and you stress about it constantly, which then makes Crohn's worse because you're stressing. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And then you've got, you know, cortisol and stuff too. You know, you're not helping yourself at all by stressing out over it. Just as you said a second ago, just finding a passion, I think, makes such a difference where you were just talking about how how having the goals, something to work for, the marathons, and just finding something different to focus on, something you're passionate about, something you love, having that goal. Really, you don't realize until it happens how much less stress 
it does take away, just as you were saying, everything else kind of falls into place. And you can really just engage and enjoy working towards that goal. It really does make a difference. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, that's definitely, you know, fitness has obviously in the last couple of years become so much more for me um, than it than it ever mm-hmm. was, you know, even in high school or, or college or anything. Um, and then, you know, kind of back to the food aspect, um, you know, I had originally, I've probably played around with every diet under the sun, um, at some point. And mm-hmm. I know, um, kind of back when I was in high school, I remember thinking, you know, my thought was, oh, if I eat because low fat diets were super popular, you know, that was the way you were mm-hmm. going to be skinny. Um, and I remember thinking like, well, if I don't put any fat in, then it'll just eventually like fall off. Right. So, I mean, I remember just eating like non-fat yogurt and pretzels <laughs> and just like, yeah, you know, something with basically no, no real substantial value to it. And, um, and it's funny cause I think about, you know, we don't know what causes Crohn's, um, but I, you know, I was talking to a friend this weekend and I said, we don't know what causes it, but I can tell you that my, you know, up and down, like fad dieting and not knowing what's good to put in my body, putting a bunch of processed stuff in my body. None of that definitely helped any of this. Didn't help. And it probably made you susceptible for whatever environmental or genetic trigger, whatever it was. Yep. Probably just allowed the Crohn's gene to turn on and activate because you created a horrible gut environment. (laughs) Exactly. And, um, you know, because I kind of think about that, too, because... It, it seems like every year the numbers keep growing of the amount of people that are diagnosed mm-hmm. with IBD. And I've also, um, you know, kind of run into some people who didn't get diagnosed because it used to, you know, kind of the main bulk of us get diagnosed in our 20s. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I feel like I'm I'm meeting more and more people who are like, oh, I was 55 or, you know, something that's or yeah. I was super, you know, super young. Um, kids and mm-hmm. stuff. And it, it seems to be kind of morphing a little bit. And it's like, okay, well, something, you know what I mean? Something obviously changed um, that, that has kind of increased these numbers. So, you know, that kind of stuff, I, I definitely think plays a role um, in yeah. all of it. I definitely think it does. Just the amount of chemicals that are in the processed foods, the amount of chemicals and toxins that are just in our environment and just the number of things that are weakening our gut linings and you know maybe some people are impervious to it (laughs) but there's a a whole slew of us that it certainly does not help um, the path we were going down so you've had you've really had quite you know looking back you've had quite a transition and quite a journey from First being diagnosed where you felt ill-equipped to handle kind of just the mental and physical aspects of it. You went from not knowing what to do, viewing food as a reward, bottling up your emotions, not asking for help, 
And you've learned through this whole process, and it's taken, as you've said, probably the full eight years to finally get to this point. And a lot of it's due to CrossFit and fitness, but building that self-esteem, filling up your own cup, and and now being, I assume, you're at a point where you feel stronger and better able to continue battling Crohn's in this way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those things that, um, you know, it might sound corny or whatever, but all, you know, all that basically like, I mean, fitness has really saved my life because I don't, um, I don't think I would, I mean, I definitely would not be in the position that I'm at, um, at this point if I, I hadn't gotten involved, um, in that and, you know, it's definitely, it's not, it's not easy. Um, like I said, it's, you know, you've been conditioned a lot of us for many decades of, you know, eating a certain way or kind of doing what feels good and whatnot. And then to actually, you know, have to completely change your lifestyle. Um, that's, that is not easy and it is not for the faint of heart. So, um, you know, I definitely understand the struggle. Um, and you, you know, I definitely have days where I'm like, I just want to binge eat something or, you know, you just like, <laughs> you want to fall off yeah. the wagon and, um, you know, that's, that's when it's good to have that support system around you. Um, because on those days where I'm like, you know, I see maybe like my daughter got a bunch of Easter candy and I was like, she got this peanut butter egg mm -hmm. and peanut butter and chocolate is kind of my downfall. <laughs> but, um, like I had like a couple, you know, little slices of it. And then my husband's like, Hey, like, you know, mm -hmm. I'm not trying to be mean, you know, <laughs> he's like, but you know how you're going to feel after that. And I'm like, I know you're right. And then I'm like, you know what? I, I got mm -hmm. to the point where I'm like, get out of the house. Like, I just have to remove it because I know at this moment I don't have the self-control to handle it. So I just need to get it, get it out of here. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, having, having people to kind of help you, um, when you have those days of, oh man, like, I just want to, I just want to go back to the days before, you know, before I had Crohn's kind of thing. And, um, cause you definitely, you have those and you feel that, we do. And whenever I have those days, it's almost part of me kind of just as much as I like the best way to describe it for me is it's almost as if I could have this escape of pretending mm -hmm. like I didn't have Crohn's. Like, I, like when I'm just tempted, I just want to eat, you know, a, a bowl of ice cream and pretend like I'm normal and that this isn't going to bother me. And, and you kind of just, it's almost just this longing of, I just want to eat all this crap and I'm, I'm feeling bad and why don't I just eat more and feel worse? <laughs> right, right. And it makes right. no sense really, but. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think I've definitely had times too where like when, you know, when I was, I, I remember before my last surgery when I was just getting really sick and not feeling well, I was pretty much like, it doesn't matter. Everything makes me mm -hmm. feel sick. So I'm just going to do what I want basically. Yeah. And, um, you know, and then it just becomes this kind of like reckless abandon, but, um, but that definitely, yeah, you, you 
do have those days, but, um, you know, I've, I feel like I've gotten to the point too, where I'm, I'm having less of those days, you know, it's not, Mm -hmm. um, it's not as much as, you know, when when you're first, you know, kind of starting out of getting back on track and, you know, figuring these things out. Um, I definitely had more of the days where I just wanted to quit and wanted to, um, you know, binge eat and do whatever I wanted and, um, just kind of give up on the process. But, um, you know, as I keep going, I think I, I keep, you know, it's kind of that building that self-esteem and knowing Mm -hmm. and building that understanding of, um, you know, knowing the benefits that you're getting, um, from, you know, eating better, exercising Mm -hmm. and how, you know, how much better that makes you feel. I think there's a little bit of acceptance in there too, in the sense that for me, it's almost like I need to, I continually have to re-accept the fact that I have Crohn's. <laughs> I have to remind myself and, and it's like, all right, mm-hmm. I'm choosing to, I'm choosing to not eat this Reese's peanut butter cup or I'm choosing to not do this because I, accept the fact that I have Crohn's and it's going to do this to me and kind of it is what it is, but I know that there are things I can do that will help me to feel stronger and to help me get through that. And it's kind of like this cycle just keeps, you know, replaying itself in my, (laughs) right. In my head. (laughs) Absolutely. And that's, I think you always kind of, um, you know, you were talking about kind of reminding yourself that you have Crohn's. I think I remember, um, this past fall, my daughter's in kindergarten. So she brings home all these lovely germs with her. And, um, (laughs) she got this horrible stomach virus. And, um, we had like, I had, I bleached everything and been like three days and I thought, Oh, we're good. Oh no, then I, I got sick. And when you like, it's hard when, when you get like a stomach virus and you have IBD, it takes you a long time to kind of yeah. recoup from that. And I just remember thinking like, wow, like I had forgotten how terrible it feels to mm-hmm. throw up multiple times a day and to, you know, to have those. And I thought, how did I, like, how did I survive years ago yeah. when that was happening? And, you know, it was kind of a surreal moment of like, man, I, I, I also, I knew I was better, but I guess I didn't realize how much better, um, I was yeah. until basically that was taken away. Um, so that was, that was an interesting, just kind of, you know, realization for me of, where I had been and, and how far I've come. Um, and that I don't, I don't want to feel like that again. So I'm going to do whatever I can to, you know, put that at bay. That's a great point. And I know I've definitely had those moments where I'll get symptoms coming back because for the most part, I, I do, you know, pretty well, but on the days when symptoms come back or things come back, it's like, holy cow, I, I forgot how horrible this, mm-hmm. <laughs> this feels and you kind of, you block out a big, a big part of that. Or at least I blocked out a big yep. part of it just because you, you don't want to remember it. And 
in a way it's, you know, it's funny. It makes me think of, because you were talking about, you know, not reaching out for help or, and kind of taking care of everything yourself. And I have a lot of those same tendencies. And especially when it comes to Crohn's, it's like, I don't want to show weakness and I can, I can manage this. And it's almost like I'm trying to just pretend like I don't have it almost. And, Mm -hmm. and that gets me into trouble because then I get into this position to where when symptoms do come up, A, I remember how bad it is. (laughs) Yeah. But then, then B, you know, then I, I actually feel guilty about reaching out to my doctors and it's like, I feel like I'm a burden. Like, I'm sorry to bother you, but you know, right. Got all this going on with, you know, this or that with my stool and let's talk about my poop and right. And I feel guilty and, and I shouldn't feel that way. And, and so if people are out there listening, feeling the same way, don't feel that way. <laughs> right. Absolutely. It is, it is that ongoing process of just learning to, to fill our cup, learning to ask for help. And I think we have to keep reminding ourselves to do those things, especially when our tendency is, is to not do those things. Yeah. I think, um, so another, you know, kind of reducing stress thing. So, you know, between the fitness and in the, um, better eating, um, you know, just a little cleaner eating and that kind of thing, um, you know, I think, so my diet currently, I'm, I tend to be kind of, um, a lot of lean protein. Um, and I, I can handle certain vegetables that are cooked. Um, Mm -hmm. and so, you know, some like green beans are normally okay. Or, um, I actually found quinoa is kind of a, a random, um, thing that is a little higher fiber, but I, I can tolerate it. Um, mm-hmm. you know, z- squashes, that kind of onion, onions and mushrooms. Um, so I, I have some variety now. I've definitely kind of built in stuff over the years. It's definitely been a huge process. Um, but you know, I, that's kind of the stuff that I tend to stick to. I, dairy is a, a no for me. Um, I do use like almond milk or coconut milk. So like some stuff that I'll make, um, you know, with that, you know, I might eat some stuff that looks like I'm eating dairy, but it's, you know, it's really just, um, Mm -hmm. almonds, (laughs) but, um, that's like giving up dairy. That was a really difficult thing for me because I, I love to sit down and eat ice cream and, Mm -hmm. um, I literally put cheese on everything. So, um, you know, but I, I finally was like, okay, again, uh, you're pretending that this isn't affecting you, yeah. but it is. And so, um, you know, when I f- finally got rid of that, um, how much better I felt was, I mean, even just after like a couple weeks mm-hmm. was pretty substantial. And, um, you know, some, absolutely some people can tolerate it and that's, that's great if you can. Um, but you know, for me, I, I just had all sorts of terrible symptoms anytime I would eat dairy and it was like, okay, I, I've got to get rid of it. So, um, kind of that acceptance, you know, piece again of just saying, all right, this is the, the hand I was dealt and this dairy is not working for me. So I'm cutting it out and make the best of it. Yep. So 
So that's kind of, you know, general overview of what, what I eat, but, um, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't fit in any, like, I mean, I guess probably I would be like closest to like whole 30 maybe of, of what I eat, but again, not, not a hundred percent. So I, you know, I don't fit into any particular, um, you know, diet you're going to research because I do think it is, you know, and it used to make me so mad when I would, cause I would always, I originally was like, what am I supposed to eat? Like, is this like an allergy? You know, what, what do I, what do I do? And they're like, mm-hmm. well, it's different for everyone. And that used to make like infuriate me because I'd be like, just tell me what to eat. Like, <laughs> I just want to know. Yeah. And, um, but it really, you know, it really is. And it ultimately, you know, it really is. I, I realized I had to basically eliminate and then add back in to figure out what was going to work for me and what works for me isn't going to work for everybody else. Um, unfortunately. So, well, um, and, and while it's true that we're all different, the underlying common things that do seem to be common amongst us and not just for Crohn's, but cut out the processed foods. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Cut out the sugar and the junk food and, and then, uh, go from there. So at least that can be a starting point for everyone. Cut out the junk. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I think, you know, uh, and I, I think I've, I've said this before that, you know, I, I don't know how much some of my sensitivity is just from missing pieces of my intestinal tract. Um, you know, if I, if I was in remission and still had every organ I was born with, then, I, I might be able to tolerate dairy or I, you know, I might be able to tolerate some stuff that I have eliminated from my diet. So, you know, there, I think that kind of stuff throws a kink in it too. And that's why a lot of us are so different, um, as to what we can, Mm -hmm. can handle and what we can't. So, so we're coming up on an hour and I don't want to keep you all night, but before, before we wrap up, I want to know how did the Nashville half marathon go? And how much did you and your team raise for the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation? Yeah, so um, it was it was a lot of fun. It was a really nice. We had good weather for the weekend. It was definitely a little mm-hmm. warm. Um, Nashville is a very challenging course. It is very hilly, um, and especially like where I live is fairly flat. Um, you know, you can maybe find some hills here and there, but nothing, not really like Nashville. So, um, tough course and it was definitely warm. So, um, hydration was definitely, I knew that was kind of going to be a battle for me the whole time. Um, I did the first half, I did pretty good. I was feeling good. I do take, um, salt pills. Um, before I run Mm -hmm. helps. And then also like multiple days ahead of time. Um, you know, I'm really good about getting in my water. And then I also use, um, noon electrolytes, which are like a little Alka-Seltzer type tab, um, that you throw in water. So it's kind of like Gatorade without all the junk in it. Um, and so, so I, you know, make sure that I'm hydrating multiple days ahead of time because hydration is not really something you can like, you know, if it's three hours before the race and you haven't really been drinking for the last three days, 
that's not a good start. So, um, mm-hmm. so I try and keep up with that. So, so I've been doing that. Um, but I knew with the sun, um, you know, that adds, especially because I think it had only been warm for like one day in Ohio. So it was, you know, really the first warm shock. Yeah. Warm day. I was out running, which definitely makes a difference. Um, but I kind of, I kind of was just like, okay, I'm going to, um, you know, my plan was kind of to just keep moving, walk, walk up the hills, you know, run down them and run on like any flat ground was kind of how I had Mm -hmm. broken it up in my mind. And, um, that worked pretty well. I definitely towards eh, about like mile 10, um, I was starting to get some of the, like my typical signs of dehydration, which are like really kind of puffy hands and, um, Mm. a little bit of like a a nausea (laughs) feeling. Um, Mm -hmm. and so that's when I know I do carry, I have a hydration belt, um, that I wear on long distance runs. Um, so it has two water bottles, um, on it. So I usually have plain water and then I have noon in the other one. Um, so I had been good about using those, um, throughout. And then, um, at mile 10, they had at all of the, um, any race that you go to that's even like semi well prepared has, um, medical tents throughout the race. Um, so I stopped at the medical tent and literally got packets of salt, um, which you can, so you literally just kind of like you would see at a fast food restaurant to like salt your fries or something with. Um, so I literally just Mm -hmm. tore the top of those off and you just kind of take it like a shot and rinse it with some water. And, um, that helps a ton because that's my biggest thing is I lose, you know, a lot of that, like I sweat it out. Um, and, um, I actually, this was, I said a, what I would consider a Crohn's PR, um, that I didn't have to stop Mm -hmm. for the restroom for 13.1 miles. So that was that. the first time I had ever gone that long, um, without having to stop. So, um, so that was exciting and, you know, just, a, another piece of, you know, I always thought like, I always have to factor that in of, to my pace of like, mm-hmm. well, I'm going to have to stop for the bathroom at usually like two mile, two and a half. And then I'm going to have to stop again here at, you know, mile 10. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that was good. I definitely, um, I had hoped to finish in two hours and 40 minutes. Um, and it took me two hours and 57 minutes. So, so I definitely, <laughs> I was to say, I, I blew my pace, but I was still, um, that was 10 minutes under my personal best. So I was still very happy with how I did. And especially like that was, it was not an easy course. Um, so to still get a a PR on that, I was, I was very happy with, um, it was awesome too, because I met up with Jim, um, who has also been on the podcast and, um, also done team challenge. He was down, he did the full marathon and, um, 
so met up with him at the, the expo there. And, um, you know, that was, it's, it's neat to, you know, all these people that I've, you know, that I kind of know and whatnot mm-hmm. through Instagram and, you know, social media and through the, this IBD community, um, you know, it's nice to, to be able to meet up with people in person and, you know, kind of, again, you have those similar stories and whatnot. So instantly um, connected and exactly funny what a small yeah. world it can actually feel like in <laughs> times like that. yeah yeah um because we had actually met through um so we're both noon ambassadors so you know basically like we really like the noon product and so we signed up to you know they give us a discount and um mm-hmm. we use their product basically so um we had actually met there based on being you know two people with Crohn's and then um, I had been listening to your podcast and then I saw his pod, you know, the one that he was mm-hmm. on. I was like, Oh my goodness, you know, and it's, it's just funny how those connections start to, to build. And then he was going to Nashville and I was like, Oh, so am I. So, um, so it was nice to, to meet up. And um, I did this race. Um, I did what's called race in orange through team challenge. So, Basically, that allows you to, you can pick whatever race you want to do and you can set your own, own fundraising goal for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did that and, um, raised about, I think, a little over $700, um, for the Crohn's awesome. and Colitis Foundation. That's awesome. So, yeah, so it was, um, you know, and it's nice because then I, I wore, so I wore my team challenge jersey. Um, for the race. And I actually, I had a guy come up to me and he was like, Oh, he's like, I was just telling my friends that he's like, he said, I have Crohn's. And he had said that he, he was actually someone who had been diagnosed at the age of 56. And, um, you know, so he, he'd only been diagnosed for about three years. And, um, you know, we were kind of talking about that and whatnot. And, he said, yeah, I'm, I'm still able to do this stuff. He's like, I can, I can handle tolerate nuts. And that's like, that's kind of his like pre-race thing is that, you know, he, he eats like a handful of nuts and then he's, he's Mm -hmm. good to go. And, um, so it's always interesting that, you know, and fun to like to wear your Jersey because people definitely do come up and make comments like that. Like, oh, I have Crohn's or, oh, I know somebody who does. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, again, those kind of talking points and, you know, relationships that get built from that. Well, so tell me a little bit more, because you mentioned this other person, he liked to eat nuts before the run. And, and we talked before about mentioning you had a gear and a supplement checklist for long runs. And so you certainly have salt, I would imagine would be on there. The hydration belt, I'm guessing would be on there. The noon, uh, the noon hydration nuts for this other guy what were some of the other things that you would put on that list or maybe some of the other uh tips or things that you saw some of the other Crohn's runners uh doing out there as well yeah so i um usually so most most races are like super early in the morning um which i tend to find that my my Crohn's symptoms tend to be worse if i have to get up early. So, Mm -hmm. um, 
I usually, my pre-race breakfast is a banana. Um, and I will normally wake up like well in advance of the race so that basically I can eat my banana and have my restroom time before mm-hmm. I, I need to go run. So, um, that's, you know, kind of how I start out. And then, um, like I said, the noon, I, they have a couple, um, so they have kind of like a, they have a performance one, um, that you can mix up for like your long, like if you're working out for basically more than a half hour, um, for kind of the longer races. Um, and then they have kind of like an everyday, um, tablet that you can use. So I really, every, every afternoon, um, I have, that's kind of like, you know, some people reach for like an afternoon soda or something. That's kind of my like afternoon treat is I, you know, throw that in water, um, and have that to just kind of, you know, stay hydrated throughout the day. And then, um, you know, using the, the noon performance doesn't taste as good (laughs) as the other (laughs) noon. So I actually, someone had posted that they throw in one of the, the new, the regular noon tablets with their performance stuff and it tastes a little bit better. So I was like, Oh, I'm going to try that next time. But, um, but yeah, I definitely, those, so the salt pills, um, I think they also have salt stick, I think is the, the brand. Um, they also have like potassium and a couple other things in them, um, to kind of help with the absorption and, um, you know, with muscle cramping and whatnot. Um, cause that's one of the main things that I will get to if I, if I'm starting to get dehydrated, I'll notice, um, like some, you know, bad muscle cramps and whatnot. And, um, so the salt pills though, I definitely like, I checked with my doctor before using them. Um, mm-hmm. because you, you know, like, I don't, if you have a heart condition or there's certain, you know, maybe certain other medications that you're taking, it's not a great idea to, <laughs> to be like downing those. So, um, you know, same thing with like the noon and everything. I always like to run it, you know, basically get a second opinion, right? Um, mm-hmm. I always like to run that stuff by my doctor just to make sure that, you know, I'm not missing some interaction that I haven't thought about. Um, so, you know, that's definitely advice that I always give to people is, you know, get a, get a second opinion on anything you're trying. But, um, the other thing is, um, Honey Stinger is a brand that makes like gels or, um, gummies, basically like food to have while you're running. Mm-hmm. Um, because there, there's a lot of varying, information about like how much you should eat while you're running. Um, you don't, you know, for like a a 5k or something like that, you don't, you don't need to be eating during that. It's usually a lot of the stuff that I see is basically every half hour. Um, you, you should be, you know, needing a little more than water basically is what they're, um, saying to, you know, that you're sweating it out and, um, using up that, that sugar and energy. So, um, but Honey Stinger uses, they, they use honey in a lot of their stuff, but, 
Um, it's very, it's pretty clean. There's not a lot of, you know, stuff in it. Um, cause a lot of, I will tell you that like gels are normally like, like goo and some of those are pretty rough on like anyone's intestinal tract. Yeah. So like if you have IBD, be very leery of, of those. <laughs> um, so honey stinger does make a like, basically it's like a honey, you know, in a very plain squeeze pouch pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, and that like, that's the only thing that I've found that I could handle that I can tolerate. Mm-hmm. Um, during a run, they also have like some, like these gluten free, like wafer waffle things that are, they're actually pretty tasty, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, and like little gummies, they, I mean, they kind of look like fruit snacks. Um, but I actually, I use the gummies a lot because I will just, you know, like after a half hour or so, I actually just kind of set one in my mouth and then it kind of gets rid of that like cotton mouth from running mm-hmm. and like let it dissolve and whatnot. So that's another product that, um, I, you know, I learned from a lot of other IBD people that they've found that was easy to, to tolerate. Um, those are kind of the main, main things that I use while I'm running. Um, I definitely, I'm always, I'm always still looking, you know, for more. Um, so the other thing too is, um, Mm yeah, the other thing that I always do, um, is make, well, I say always, but I was kind of bad with my packing this last time where I took, um, some stuff out to put my shoes in the bottom of my bag and I forgot to put some of that stuff back in my bag. So, um, I normally put a sunscreen on, um, and a lot of times I will wear a hat and, um, I have my, my running sunglasses. You can uh, pretty much every running store sells them and you can get them online as well. They're called gooder. And they are polarized sunglasses, but they're like non-slip for when you get like Mm. sweaty and everything. And they're only 25 bucks. So they're like super, you know, affordable and work really well. So those are like, like I have to have those when I run. Um, So, you know, I try and protect myself from the sun as well because that also helps with not, you know, sweating is bad and, you know, Mm -hmm. getting sunburnt and that kind of stuff does not, does not help your case. So, Mm -hmm. um, so I try and do that as well, but, um, you know, and then obviously like I, my other big thing is I don't try anything new, um, like the week before a race. So I'm not, I'm not introducing any new foods into my life. I'm not Mm -hmm. changing my supplements. I'm not, um, you know, wearing new shoes or, you know, that kind of thing. So, um, I like to, you know, whatever has worked in the past, that's what I'm, what I'm using. And then after the race, if I want to try something new, that's, you know, I'll do that during a training Mm -hmm. run or something. That's fantastic. Good, good advice, good tips, a lot of good products to try too. I think I, I think I need to get me some noon and, uh, be a little more hydrated throughout <laughs> my day. Yeah. And the other thing, it's very, um, you can also, you can get that at like, I've seen it at Target and I think Walmart, um, that, it, you know, it's in the kind of the supplement, you know, aisle. 
Um, mm-hmm. And then like Amazon and, um, you know, they sell it directly from their website as well. But um, it's fairly inexpensive. I think it ends up being like, cause there's like 10 tablets in a, in a tube. It ends up being like 50 cents a serving. So it's even, oh. you know, cheaper than most of your sport drinks. Yeah. Um, so that's my, I'm, I'm all about a bargain. So <laughs> that's always, you know, <laughs> basically anything that's, that's on my list is not going to like break the bank. So, yeah. um, <laughs> smart that's definitely something else. I, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I look for, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, it's definitely, um, you know, a good product. I've really liked it. Well, we have talked about a ton of stuff and you've given a lot of great tips for long distance running. Is there anything we didn't cover that you did want to, that you wanted to talk about before we wrap up? Um, I, I would just say, you know, for, for those that have been maybe kind of putting off, um, you know, exploring things other than medication and, or, you know, trying to look at diet and fitness and, and have been kind of overwhelmed, um, you know, give, give it a try. I, it really will change, um, how you feel. It's, you know, it's not going to be instant. Um, but it will, you know, over time, it will definitely help you. And, um, you know, obviously we're not all cured, but, you know, we want to get as close as we can to that feeling. So, um, you know, if you need somebody to support you, uh, that's, I'm on social media, message me, you know, I will be there for you. You know, my main thing, the reason that I, you know, kind of started my fitness Instagram page is because, you know, like I said, I was very lost and alone when I was diagnosed and I don't want people to feel that way. So if I can, you know, help one person with their battle and to, for them to just feel a little bit better, like that's, that's a success in my book. So, um, you know, that's really the purpose of it. So definitely, you know, keep, trying and, um, you know, put, put yourself first and, um, you know, really take care of your health because that ultimately everything else falls in place. Um, you know, once you can get that in line. That is very well said. And if people go to find you on Instagram, where do they find you at? Um, I am at Carrie the crony. Awesome. Well, Carrie, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me again and share more. I really enjoyed visiting with you and I appreciate everything you're doing to raise IBD awareness. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. And thanks for all that you're doing as well. It's awesome. Thank you for listening to the Crohn's Fitness Food Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have an IBD story, either as a patient or a family member, that you'd like to share as a guest on this podcast, or if you have a topic you'd like to hear about, send me an email at crohn'sfitnessfood at gmail.com. If you'd like to learn more about me and my Crohn's journey, follow me on Instagram using at crohn'sfitnessfood, or visit my blog for in-depth articles about my struggles and victories with Crohn's through diet, fitness, and lifestyle at www.crohn'sfitnessfood.com. And finally, remember... Be strong, be grateful, and be the warrior that you are.